Before we head into the episode, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Gong, Salesloft, Proposify, ZoomInfo, Chili Piper, Reprise, and Vidyard. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Welcome to the One Up Formula Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And as always, we bring in sales leaders, business owners, and also creators to talk about what their One Up Formula is in their sales career. Now, we do have, this is actually very interesting. Devin and I have done, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 webinars together, and we've never met until today. We've never met until today, which is pretty crazy. And we decided, yeah, we, we should do an interview, right? And 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 vibe on it. And so Devin Reed is, we're friends. We're friends at this point. At, at the beginning, we weren't friends. I was like, I don't know about this guy. But now we are friends, so we're good. And so what we're going to talk about today is what is the future of sales and marketing? Now, when you hear this, you're going to be like, oh, here they go. They're going to pull out this crystal ball and talk to us. But it's going to be different conversation than what you think. Now, before we get into the meat of the conversation, as always, we like to figure out a couple of fun facts. So, Devin, this yes. post on LinkedIn, it went viral when you said this about tattoos. Yes. And people got a little heated. Some people were like, yeah, Devin. But I'm not going to ask you about how you felt about the post because we don't care about that right now. What we do care about is how many tattoos do you have and what is your favorite one? The honest why? answer is I lost count. But according to that post, sounds like it was crazy. 26. 26. So I remember counting. So I came up with the post idea. Yep. And then I was like, I should probably count to make sure the number in the post is accurate <laughs> in case later I post again and someone's like, you got negative two tattoos in the last year or 14? Yeah. So I counted and it was 26 and I've gotten one tattoo since. So I 20, 28, I got two since then. So 28. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, but you don't have a favorite one? Oh, my favorite one? No, I do have a favorite one. It's on my leg. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, a black and gray portrait style. I went to LA to get it, which is okay. a very distinct style. It's very realistic. Yeah. Uh, of a statue. I think it's, my, my accent is terrible. It's, uh, it's P-I-E-T-A, Paeta. Okay. And it's the statue you've probably seen. It's uh, Jesus is dead in uh, his mother's arms and she's carrying him like yeah. this. And so it's zoomed in of just her face looking down, kind of sorrowful. Yeah. And then at the ankle, it has uh, the sacred heart. Yeah. That's my favorite because I think it's by far the best like execution. It's the coolest shit I have. That's really. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast minimally? Yeah, of course. Okay, PG thirteen. I get to. Yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. It might, it might go to a radar. We don't know. We, we will see. We'll, we'll see, where, see it where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Like our friendship, we'll see how it, we'll this see evolves. how it goes. Yeah, I yeah. don't know yet. Right? <laughs> you, you've already lost letters in your name. You, you're Devin R right now. I got to get back to. If this you, goes well, I want both these. That's fair. Okay, deal. that's fair. You can get the whole last name back. Right, I like it. Okay, so we were talking earlier and we were talking about books. And one thing you talked about is that you read the Bible. And so yeah. how does your faith play into what you do from a marketing standpoint and from a professional career? That is the first time anyone's asked me anything near that question. So I like it. So I grew up, which the tattoo might reflect what I just, what I it just does, shared. It does, it yeah, does, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up like in the Christian church, the progressive yeah. like uh, rock and roll stage, like people singing, <laughs> like making Christian. <laughs> Making Christianity cool. I've been there, I've been like there. I grew up that uh, in that environment, and my grandma was like, uh, like very like woman of faith, very much yeah. into it. So in like high school, I was like very devote to it, and I read the Bible one time front to back because I was like, I've read if, if you know about the Bible, like it's kind of meant to be read in chunks yeah, and chapters absolutely. and yeah, scriptures yeah. and stuff. So I was like, I want to just read this thing front to back to get a full like feel of this body of work. Mm. And so I read it, and it's definitely influenced me of like 
like kind of like do others as you want to be done to you. Right. So like I'm trying to like I don't like the cliche. I'm trying to leave the world in a better place. Yeah. I kind of hope I know that's not true, but I hope most people operate that way. Yeah. Otherwise, you're leaving the earth in a worse place, which seems kind of messed up. We know some people out there that's their mindset. So fair. Yeah. Yeah, So so I, I try to assume most people mean well. But like for me, my whole content strategy, my whole approach to sales and everything is if you are helping people, you're making their life better. And only good things will come from that for that individual. Yeah. And then later you'll get something back. But you have to do it in a way where you're not trying to get something back. Right. I'm not helping yeah. people, donating money, donating time, helping people with financial problems, not necessarily giving them money, but like talking through it because I, oh, you owe me one. Yeah. Later, he's going to give me a favor. Later, she's going to do this for me. It's like, no, right. I'm just giving, 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 making, making their life better. And eventually maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah. And it's more so just like the energy of doing that. Yeah, it's I, it's not like an outcome. Like, okay, I did this with this person in ninety days. If I don't see something, that's a terrible way to live. Imagine how much mental, like, time lot. and energy of like who owes me what and who paid for yeah. this meal. I'm like, no, just be a dope, kind person, and you'll live a yeah. happy life. And then I said, like, all these things will come back to you. It's like c- kind of karmic in a way. Yeah. So st- speaking of being dope, uh, shout out to. My guy, Chris Orlop. I knew him since like the beginning. OG days. Chris is dope. Yeah. OG days of creating Gong's brand, right? Yeah, like he was yeah. the one who really started 100%. that. And he went in another direction. He's doing his thing. Yep. And you stepped into his shoes. Yep. Now, you probably have gone through this mentally, subconsciously of like how this was. But how was it stepping yep. into Chris's shoes? Did you feel intimidated? Were you nervous? Or were yes. you like, yes. hey, look, I actually <laughs> know what I'm doing here. So for a little context for folks who might not know, I was a sales guy for six or seven years before that. I was a sales rep at Gong for two years. Okay. And I had started dabbling in some marketing stuff because I was interested in it. Okay. Chris was the guy before me. He's the, I call him the godfather of Gong content. Yeah. He wrote Gong. (laughs) And you were like an AE, right? Like just an AE. Yeah. Just an AE, if you will, but like a, like a founding member. So I had like, people knew who I was. I was successful. And so I was hanging out with Chris because the way I found Gong was through his content. Yeah. So my director at an old job showed it to me. I liked it. Ended up getting on a recruiter call. It all worked out. Yeah. And so the reason I kind of give some background was like, I didn't join as a marketer. Like he didn't recruit me from a like hiring pool. Yeah. I had been talking to him for a few months. Like, Hey, I think this is like something I'm into. I'm interested. We would go on walk and talks. I'd write a blog here and there. I did a video series for Gong. And eventually I saw him interviewing someone in the office. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's happening. Like he really is hiring someone. He told me he was going to hire someone. It's happening. And and like loss aversion is very strong. Yeah. So when I see this guy like being walked through the office, I'm like, oh, and I know him. He's a director level. Like he could get this role. I texted him and I was like, yo, I'm ready. And he was like, are you sure you're ready to leave your sales career behind? Because I know you can do the job, but are you ready to let go? And that was hard because sales is hard as hell. It took me a long time to get good. I was I would say I was good with moments of greatness at the time I left Gong yeah. or left Gong in sales, but I was making the most money I'd ever made. Things was things were finally clicking, and here I was like, should I just give all that up and try this brand new thing? Yeah. So was I nervous? Yes, because looking back, I think some people are like, oh, so obvious for you. Like, of course it worked. You know, it worked out. But I was so scared at the time. Like, I was like, I'm gonna, I could yeah. very well throw away a lot of things I was working on. Yeah. Uh, mess up all these things Chris built and did a good yeah, job exactly. and then six months Gong's in a much worse place. So like yeah. my MO for the first six months was uh, keep the ship afloat. Yep. Even if you don't grow, right. just don't sink. Just and, just and so that's what I focused on and luckily I had people being like uh, no one wanted me to be the next Chris. Yep. 
there was no pressure to be Chris. It was keep the results coming in, yeah. grow the brand, but be you. And that gave me a lot of early confidence of like, cool, I'm going to like, I'm, I was like, looked at what Chris did. Chris was a phenomenal writer, still way better than me. Yeah. So I was like, I need to do the writing well, because that's what people are used to that blog. Yeah. But I was like, I'm really good on video, short, you know, two minute, five minute things. Yep. So I'm going to take all these articles he wrote and I'm going to introduce myself to the community through these videos. They can see me. Mm-hmm. It kind of answers the like, where'd Chris go? It's like, well, we got Devin. So I guess this, you know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. this like, uh, like semi-obvious transition. Exactly. So who or what conversation before we get into like the meat of this empowered you the most to make you feel comfortable to be you going into that? Uh, I had a conversation years prior yeah. uh, from a sales director at my first sales job. Yeah. So I was an English major. I went to school to be an English teacher. So my grammar is impeccable. Yeah. <laughs> my, you know a uh, thing or two. I know a thing or two. Yeah. And I say impeccable into like the business comms world, which is like not as, so I went into it like, <laughs> these are senior people. They're yep. like my dad's age. I need to like impress them and come like super proper and correct. And so I remember this one day I had, uh, we had this like makeshift CRM and I was like, I got to work and I'm like, I'm going to put in a hundred touches. Yeah. These were back in the day <laughs> when all emails were manual. Yeah, so exactly. I literally <laughs> punched the phone 50 times, yep. typed every email by hand. And I got a hundred touches. And so I went up to my manager and I was like, yo, check this out. And I like literally showed him my yeah. laptop, like, look at all this. And he's like, cool. How many meetings did you book? Mm. Oh, I didn't, I didn't book any. Yeah. He's like, Okay, so you put in all that work today with nothing to show for it. Yeah, and like, I was like, doing? ah, like the angelic, like, oh, I can see now, like, this doesn't matter. Yeah. So to the point of your question, my sales director and him chat for a second, uh, you know, like, the, the, like kind of down the hall, like, they, you know, they're talking about you, but you can't really yeah. hear what they're saying. So I was like, cool, like, this was a good run. I'll just give him my laptop. It's over. <laughs> all good. It's, I'm done for. Yep. And so he pulls me into a room. And he's like, hey, man, you're putting in all the work. Like, let's just check out what you're doing. So I slid on my laptop. He starts reading through my emails. And he was like, did you go to school to be a lawyer or something? And he's like, no, I went to school to be an English teacher. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's what it is. He's like, dude, these emails are fucking boring. No one's going to respond to this. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, read this aloud. And it was like, he's like, would you ever say that? Ever. And I was like, no, nah, it doesn't really, no, no, not really. It's like, you need to be who you are in this room. Yeah. Be Devin at the pod with the team. Be Devin yeah. at the bar, two drinks in, no more. Be that guy. Yeah. And you'll have better responses. Mm. So, of course, it took time. It wasn't like, all right, great. Now I'm, I but, know how to be you authentic. Had a path. You had a path. I had a senior leader who I respected, who yeah. I felt respected me and wanted me to be who I was. Yeah. So that was the beginning of that, that like, thought process and yeah. mentality and then with uh udi the cmo at gong now who like hi- ultimately like hired me and brought me on yeah. he like had conversation with me like you know here's like kind of the vision i see and he's very big on be different be he didn't say the words authentic like be yourself yep because in b2b marketing that's missing a lot right you it get kind of like talking heads marketing jargon and so he was like don't do that yeah. Do what you think is right. He coached me a lot. Chris obviously coached me a lot. Absolutely. And so when I stepped into Chris's shoes, if you will, Chris wasn't doing what everyone else was doing. I was like, yeah. oh, Chris etched out his way. And people are telling me to etch out my way. I have yeah. the echo of that sales director. So I'm like, if I fail, it's going to be because I failed who I am, not I failed trying to be someone I'm not. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And, and it allows you to really obviously dive into yourself, but it allows for you to, to spread that message moving forward. Yeah. Right. To yeah. be like, hey, like, you might be in the same spot just like you were previously. Yeah. And then now you can talk to that person so then they can feel better moving yeah, forward. Absolutely. And so let's get into the meat. Sales and marketing. Now, 
you've been in both roles. So yeah. you can you can speak to this probably better than most people. Yeah. The sales and marketing rivalry. Yes. Why does this happen? Because sales often there was I was so quick to respond because I know. <laughs> sales and again, subjective answer. Sales often feels that marketing isn't delivering. Yep. So think about that for a second. So when you have a partner, mm-hmm. right? A go-to-market partner, and your job is to close, yep. and their job is to let's just say create value, create qualified leads. Let's just yep. keep it. I know there's way more marketing does, but like sales cares about that more than anything. Yep. That's great. A, you got a good amazing. brand. Sweet. If no one comes inbound, knowing who we are and what we do and wanting to buy, I don't care about your brand. That's yeah. what most sales people think. And as I as did I. And so when you have this you know, you go company, think of it, you're a rep, you go company to company, you don't get the leads, maybe you're a promise, the leads you get aren't good. You start to get a little resentful because you're like, man, I'm, I'm doing, I got to do this all by myself. Yeah. And marketing's doing, who knows, logos, events, but like, yeah, yeah, I'm so not benefiting from that. No pipeline. I'm not closing any deals. Like, like yeah. Like, what and am then, I doing? And then a lot of times, like some marketers are like big on internal marketing. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. Look at all this stuff we're going on. And like, I think sometimes the results aren't there to kind of justify that. So then it gets doubly annoying where you're like, you're, it can feel like, oh, marketing is like bragging or amplifying it. But like, again, my pocket is not being filled. Yeah. So there's that kind of resentment there. And I think the all the alternative could be like, well, we're, we are generating good leads. What are you talking about? You yeah. can't close them or you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's this finger pointing of like, you're not doing your job yeah. is what I think the tension comes from. Yep. And the only place, not trying to like overly shout out Gong, but like the only place I've seen that done well is at Gong yeah. where there's a lot of meetings of like, look, what are you accountable for? Yep. What is sales accountable for? Booking meetings, closing deals. Revenue. revenue. Put, put simply like and one yeah. word, Revenue. Revenue. If your marketing team is not also measured on revenue, yep. you're already going to fail. Yep. Because if I'm measured on MQLs, which MQLs is a score that mm. each company decides for itself. There's no universal score for an MQL. Yeah. You can, if you're in charge of marketing, not that people do this, but like you can change it. You can make it really easy to have MQLs. You can yeah. make it really hard. And so... The, the problem with that is if you are measured on MQLs, which is something you can control and kind of mess yep. with, but you're on sales and you're on revenue, we're not going in the same direction. No. And I can win in this little finite world and feel like I'm winning, but I'm not actually moving the business forward. Yeah. So Gong, like for me, I'm a, I'm a leader of content marketing, content yeah. strategy. My number one goal, my KPI is sales accepted opportunities. Yeah. How many Great. You got leads. Awesome. How many are turning into qualified pipeline? That's how I get paid. Okay. So how does that conversation work for a marketer? And so what I mean by that is, okay, cool, Devin, that sounds great, but I'm not tracked by revenue and I don't care about anything you're saying. I've done really well and (laughs) I've been getting bonuses left and right by just bringing in leads. I don't care. If if you can make a career and you don't, if you can make a career generating leads and you don't care, then don't change. If you don't, don't change. Care, if you don't care. If you don't care. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm a I could very easily become like a brand marketer. Impressions, yep. web web traffic is kind of in that world. And you can make a good career that way too. Yeah. But you, and this is what Chris Orlov taught me. He's like, if you understand demand gen and you can understand how your content and brand is equaling revenue, yeah. you'll be able to write your own check wherever you go. Mm. And I was like, I would love to put more zeros and commas in my checks if possible. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Coming from a sales background, I like, <laughs> I like zeros and commas. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, interesting. So let me learn how to do both. Okay. So then if my next role, someone's like, Devin, I want you to be, I don't know, VP of brand or lead our brand. I know yeah. how to do that. That's actually, that's easier in my opinion. Yeah. Me. 
But if someone's like, hey, I want you to lead demand gen or we need pipeline, I know how to do that too. And the way to think about it is the closer, the closer you are to money, yeah. the more you'll make. I think we were talking about this earlier this week. Yeah, we were. We and were. I was like, so if you're in, if you're a sales leader, if you're a VP of sales and your KPI is revenue, yeah. you're going to make more money than if you are a content marketing manager who's in charge of MQLs. Right. Further away from the money, you're going to make more. Pardon the interruption. When I'm not doing these one-off format podcast interviews, I'm coaching and training teams within large tech organizations such as Salesforce, Slack, and Zoom. And the thing is, you could get that same exact information within our better on-demand platform. And within this platform, it's the same exact courses that we're training clients on, live AMAs, webinar recordings, templates, and also in invitations to our live events as well. So don't wanna miss out on this opportunity. We have a lot of members right now really doing well within their role, getting promoted, and over-accelerating on their quota. So if you want an opportunity, go check out our membership program so that you can get involved and start getting these same results as well. Let's dive into this. Maybe someone's like, okay, Devin, you got me. <laughs> they're like, they, they, Mission accomplished. They, yeah, they, they're now more woke and they're yeah. like, I want to have this conversation now. So yeah. what are the three things that someone can do right now and they are a marketer and they want to become more revenue focused love so it. they can, you know, ride around Atlanta and play digits by Young Thug? What can they do? Here? I would I would love that. Uh, I'm, I'm more <laughs> of a T.I. guy for the Atlanta music scene and Killer Wait, Mike. Wait, OK, so pause. Yeah. So top three Atlanta rappers. I, dude, I love Killer Mike. There's actually an old oh, action. Have you been to his barbershop? Not it's yet. in the State Farm Arena. I, I could use a, I could use a cut. I would we, be down. We could pull up. I would be super down. We could pull up. Have you heard our interview over? We're gonna no, All right, <laughs> done. Action, I think, is his like very first album. So yeah, I introduce him. It's a hit. It's he's a underrated. Bang. It's a banger. Uh, I go Atlanta because he said he was the king of the. Or no, Atlanta. Excuse me. I go Ti because he said he's the king of the South, and no one said anything. We can get into what I learned from that in a big way. Yeah. But he was like, one, I love his music, and two, one day he was like, I'm the king of the South. And you know, in hip hop, people are like, nah, I'm no, the king like, of this. I'm, or I'm that. Yeah. No one said anything. That's a good point. And they just were like, okay, yeah. you win and you're the king. And I was like, wow, you can learn a lot from that. Lil yeah. Wayne did it too. Best rapper alive. No yeah. one really said anything. The third one, man, I like the Migos. <laughs> I like really? the music. I like okay. the like, okay, okay. it's like kind of, it's not feel good, but it's like turn up. Yeah. And I'm probably missing 10 people that after this interview, I wish I would have said, but Atlanta's got so many good. Oh no, I take it all back. Ludacris is number one. How did I miss him? Ludacris. Okay, so wait, you took it all back. Took so who are you taking out? Ludacris. Migos are out. No, it's Ludacris. Dude. Okay, so word of mouth. Out. It's like the third album I ever owned. I loved it. Yeah, he killed it. Boom, 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 boom. Dude, <laughs> he that's, killed it. That's the best. Okay, those are good top three. How so, did I do? Did I pass? You did pass. All right, sure. you passed. I think the but you missed Outcast, so I'm a little salty. Oh yeah, and I'm I a told little, you I listened to Outcast. I know I'm in. a little okay, salty. So now, so now I'm like I don't know if I trust you now. That's fair. I would go Ludacris, Outcast, and then Ti. And that's what I'm stamping. Put it on wax. You're done. done. I'm done. No, no more edit. edits. Even right now, if you're like, what about this person? I'm not going to change it. <laughs> I'm going to stick to that. That's fair. Yeah. The only one that I, I would have to be like, hmm, is like, is Gucci, man. Because he's, because he's I so, love Gucci, man. because he's such an icon. Yes. And he put everybody on. Damn it. 
I'm going to keep Tian there because I do you respect keep, the King you, of the South. The but King Gucci is, is top five for sure. Yeah. His music's good. And he's also, like right he, there. he was very instrumental and I'm like in brand building. Yeah. And I've always, before I was into marketing, I always like noticed it, but then yeah. I wasn't like, Gucci Man has a dope brand. I was yeah. like, Gucci Man's dope. And he's, he's so iconic. different. And now that I know category design and I know brand building, I look yeah. back and I'm like, dude, Snoop Dogg. Is the best brand builder the in hip hop because he's changed over time. Yeah. And the fact that you can have a strong brand, realize that time is over and then transition yeah. and transition and transition over and over. Like no one's, in my opinion, no one's better at that than Snoop Dogg. He's stayed insanely relevant through every single Crazy. trend. Like, oh, he's in the metaverse. Oh, he's got, like, you're just like, bro. He's hanging out you? with Martha Stewart. Yeah. It's he's like, Snoop Lion. He's, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, Right, you're in Jamaica, make it what? Like, it's yeah. just like he's crazy, he but he does job. it the best way. Yeah, I, sure. I do agree with you on that. Yeah. So let's go back. Three things that marketers can do to be better revenue marketers. First, first thing is go look at the CEO slide. So the CEO slide the is CEO. the CEO slide. Okay. Every CEO has a slide to begin every year with okay. the top three to five initiatives the whole company is going to do. Yeah. Sometimes it's revenue, sometimes not. Some companies view that as a strategic goal. Some are like, it's, it's a given. So okay. up to you. Revenue, you can never go wrong associating your, your marketing and content to revenue. Okay. So go look at that slide and find the, as many of them as you can, but definitely one solid one that you're going to attach everything that you do to and support it okay. in some way. Are you going to tell the CEO that you're doing this or you're not? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So okay. I would say like okay. step two. So one is like, that's for you. I would say do that in your like vacuum in a way. Okay. Because I think it's important to think through that. So without getting too granular, some will be more obvious and some might be like, uh, you know, gone category design. We're launching yep. a category. How can I create content or do something that supports this? And what metric can I come up with? to show yeah. progress, to show people, hey, I am doing something that aligns with this. Yep. Because again, get closer to the revenue, get close to strategic goals. Mm. That's my whole thing on content strategy. Get to strategic goals. Yep. The next part is have a communication with your head of marketing or whoever you report to. Try to get to the head of marketing though and share with them, hey, I saw the slide. Yep. Here's my plan. It doesn't have to be like an in-depth week by week, you know, six month plan, but mm. like Here's how I think we, we can build some things. We can do a webinar series. We can do a video series. And here's how we can um, get the right message out and also how we can measure our success. We'll iterate over time. Yep. So you're having that conversation. So those are the first and by far the most important things. I would say the third thing, commit to it. Commit to it. This can't be a, wow, I heard a super dope podcast with yep. Devin and Morgan and like I'm hot on it for two days. Yeah. This has to be a north star for you as a marketer okay you have to commit to it and i'm, I'm saying that from my experience <clears throat> which is this is like all i think about all the decisions i make for hiring resource allocation what yep. i green light what i don't has to align to those goals and so it's kind of just like all, all things fall from that all tactics fall from that kind of like mindset yeah so something interesting that you talked about right there at the end is the commitment yeah and staying consistent in doing this and I think a lot of people don't focus on the craft and they get too caught up in the highlights. And yeah. so like what I mean by that is, is like rest in peace to Kobe. But he always talked about like, hey, I was dedicated to the craft. He was like, literally, I put up like a thousand jumpers. And even yeah. there was a story. I forgot. I forgot who it was. But he talked about how someone tried to get there at the same time as him. Before <laughs> I, you, might, you might have heard the story. But. They try to get hit there at the same time as him before yeah. a game to be like, oh, I'm going to like show up before Kobe in practice, right? And they show up 
and that Kobe's there. He's already there. Before he then. never left. He was just like, there from the night before. He was just there, right? So <laughs> like, like, he, like, didn't just slept in the rafters, right? Yeah. So he was like, okay, well, I'm here. So let me just yeah. stay with Kobe, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep up the pace. Yep. And then he was in there for like, I don't know, like an hour and a half. And then he was like, all right, like he's still doing his thing. So like, I'm good, right? And he left. And then that night when they were playing, he dropped, I think, like 45 on him, right? Yeah. Normal night for Kobe, right? Yeah, I dropped 45 on you. Yeah. And then he went up to him after and was like, hey, I saw you come in. I saw you left. And I kept going to let you know that you'll never outwork me. And I dropped 45 on you to let you know that I'm just going <laughs> to continuously do this on you. Yeah. And I was like, dang, that's like savage. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, that's what you have to you have the same mindset when it comes to marketing and when you when it comes to sales. Because you have to continuously enhance your craft. Because if yeah. you're not consistent, there's someone who's going to be more consistent. Yeah, there's a. I, I'm going to mess it up, but there's always that phrase like, "There's there's always someone out there like outworking you." Like, I'm going to do a terrible job of that, but like, there's, yeah, you, you know what I'm trying. It's to like go- it's like the um the intro on the 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 J Cole song "Rise and Shine." Have you heard that song? Yes. When when Jay Z's like, "There's there's a there's a someone out there <laughs> like yeah. grinding 24 seven trying to take my spot." Like, yes, that's, yes, that concept. that's exactly what it is. The same point. So it's like, uh, so I, I will I will do the disclaimer of not going into like uh like hustle porn and saying you should always be working right. And like Kobe, because you do have those people. Yeah, watch out. We're not saying. Well, that. I'm. I think too is like I do have a more hustle. Like I like to hustle. I like to grind, and I'm proud of that. Sure. But at the same time, I have a kid and I dedicate time to her and my yeah. family. So I have a balance of that. But yeah. my point being is like very, 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 very rarely does someone become great by only doing their nine to five. Yeah. So you're relying on your experience to also develop. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's exactly. almost like it's almost like I don't practice. I just play in the game. And when mm-hmm. I play in the game, I learn and I get better over time, which is true. You're going to get better from experience. Right. But when I joined marketing, I was dedicated to succeeding. Again, going back, like if I fail, it will not yeah. be because I didn't try. And it will it will be because Devin, you are just not meant for this. Yeah. <laughs> put, put me on the saxophone. Doesn't matter the how saxophone. hard you try. Can you, can you play the saxophone? No, no, okay. I'm not musically inclined <laughs> at all. Like, okay, Doesn't matter like, how hard you try, this is not for you. Yeah. Okay, I know. I know that now. And I can I can rest easy knowing that. Yeah. Right? So I would work, uh, and I did this before this too when I was in sales, but when I was in marketing, I'd do my nine to five. Yep. Go home, hang out with the wife for a little bit. Around eight o'clock, I'd pour a cup of coffee, and from like eight to eleven, eight to midnight, for probably six months straight, yeah. I was editing videos, I was writing video scripts, I was strategizing, I was writing, I was putting in the work four days a week. Yeah, what is that? Call it three hours and twelve extra hours, and over six months, it compounded, and my learning curve shortened. Yeah, and I was getting into a flow. I learned things a lot faster. Yeah, and so as I was doing that, I'm thinking like, there's other marketers out there directly competitive to the company I'm working for, not competitive. Mm. And like, they're probably not putting in that work. Yeah. And so it gave me also confidence because I'm like, it's clicking, I'm putting in the work, I'm building confidence. And so I've luckily been able to pull back that work ethic in a way and put it yeah. into other you know, resources and t- you know, other projects. But the point being is if you want to truly be great at something, you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. And I was very aware and mindful of the sacrifices I was willing to make short-term, midterm, and long-term. Yeah. If you go back to Kobe, he kind of arguably sacrificed everything but basketball greatness, yep. but he regrets nothing. Yeah. So that's when I, my disclaimer to like the hustle mentality is like, don't just work around the clock and think that's like your personality. Like that's not a character. Like that's yeah. not... You know what I mean? That's like not, not unique. Yeah. That's kind of like whatever. Right. But if you're like, hey, 
I'm okay sacrificing a couple hours with my family a week mm -hmm. because I'm putting in the work over here and this is going to build me for the financial future. freedom, wealth. I'm gonna, if I'm, I give up two hours a week with Rumi, my, my one-year-old, because I'm putting in specific time so she has money aside when she graduates high school. Exactly. She'll thank me for that even if sometimes you have to make those tough choices in the meantime. Yeah, no, I love that. I think a lot of, we had another interview the other day and we talked about long-term vision and yeah. how a lot of things are short-term vision, especially from the sales perspective, yeah. which lead, which leads to the rivalry sometimes is that sales is so short-term, like, hey, I need this right now. When it's like in the background, people don't know the work that goes into making marketing campaigns and marketing strategy. Yeah. And I've seen both lenses. I know when I was in SDR, I was like, yo, like, Marketing's trash, bro. Can't like, be that hard. Like, They're never stressed. It can't be that hard. Yeah, exactly. Like, yo, <laughs> they just took like three months off. Like, yeah, what's yeah, going on? Yeah. But you don't really understand it until you're in it or you see it. I really wish that like for a week, marketers had to make cold calls, but sales reps had to like go create a campaign. And, yeah, like, it's so that, funny, man. That would honestly like create more yeah. of a relationship with them. And and I've been in meetings and talked to marketers where I've like paused them a little and been like, yeah. Hold on. Before you like hold them too accountable or before you kind of make that assumption about yeah. work ethic, whatever you want to call it, like all these little variables. I'm like, have you ever done it? Like, do you know what you're actually asking them to do? Yeah. And you're holding them to this like, you know, uh, zero tolerance, you know, SLAs leads to be followed yeah. up with in this way. I'm like, let's like cool it off here. Like sales, going back to your question earlier, is like the level of accountability, there's nothing higher in an organization. Yeah. Except for me, like the CEO and like ELT sales. is salespeople. There is literally yeah. at any time you go to salesforce.com or your CRM of choice, you click refresh and you can see how much has Devin contributed as a salesperson to this company or not. Yeah. yeah. Marketing is a lot harder because again, you can kind of like, you know, it's, it's one, it's, it's not as like, you don't get put on a pip nearly as quickly or as often. Yeah. So it's like, you can kind of get away sometimes with marketing. I'm not trying to make marketers sound bad or lazy by any means, but yeah. it's, it's, I'm I mean, telling you, you right now, yourself out, I'm so, a marketing yeah. leader. It is not as hard. <laughs> yeah. It is not as, it is, it is challenging. Yeah. It's not as hard in terms of the level of stress and accountability. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Straight up. Let's so go. let's talk about current state of marketing. Okay. How do you feel about it right now? Do you feel like there is a shift that is happening where they're becoming more revenue marketers? We're talking B2B marketing specifically. Yeah, B2B marketing in this in this scenario. Um I, yeah, but like a soft hesitant, yeah. You know what okay, I mean? Yeah. Because you have to think of it as like everyone operates on self-interest. Yep. This is a known thing. Yep. Right. So to your point earlier of like, how do I get started of like being this way? Or like, what if I, mm. you're like, what if I don't want to, you still yeah. have a lot of like, uh, people who are like, why would I pick the harder path? And the, and this revenue kind of marketing is a, is a harder path. And so I think it's like some people are always going to be complacent. And I think B2B marketing for some reason has become very complacent. You know what I mean? Like there's a ton of money in it. Yeah. There's a lot on the line, but like, I don't know. It doesn't really seem like people are really doing their best work because oftentimes you flip it and like view view this campaign, this blog, this whatever yeah. as a as a consumer. Are you interested the whole time? Right. Did it change the way you think or the way that you act? Or is it fluff? Is yeah. it hollow and you kind of are doing it for the sake of doing it? You right. Because I mean? you probably feel like they need to have more of that B2C yeah. marketing mindset because they're doing crazy stuff. That's all we talk about for the most part of like the commercials you share, yeah. the social media posts. Like, come on, the best social media handle is Wendy's Twitter. Wendy's Twitter crazy goes hard. And their mixtape was Loki Fire. I didn't hear the mixtape. Their mixtape actually. I already feel like I'm missing out because Wendy's We're Twitter gonna have to fingers are fire. It actually, yeah. is, it actually is good. Is Ludacris on it? 
Luda's not on it. But if Luda was on it, it would be even more lit. But that was good. So my thought is like the current state is like I think there's a bigger I mean, again, this is my kind of bubble that I'm in, my bubble within a bubble, is I think where marketing's changing is like it is truly these like personal brands. Yeah. And and companies realizing, you know, they don't want to talk to you know, nothing with Salesforce. I'm just using because they're so big. Yeah. Salesforce, like it's a person to a business, but you want to talk to the person at at Salesforce. Yeah. Could be a thought leader it could just be someone that works there the person who does the product communications yeah newsletter like oh jamie cool i like jamie because she has you know I, she gives me value right and she's connected to salesforce and maybe jamie this imaginary jamie is building her own brand and yeah. where i'm thinking the progressive marketing teams are realizing is that you can get more brand awareness trust yeah. credibility and create fans through the people of your organization and empowering them to have a brand and by association lifting you up yeah and it's usually free yeah <laughs> like, it's like easy like yeah. it's crazy like if you look at and I'll, I'll talk about my example for saying like gong has a hundred twenty five thousand linkedin followers mm-hmm. i have like 50 so less than half yeah but if we post the exact same video yeah. i will get three times as many views right because of people you know people not, not it's not a me thing it's a person to person thing right. it's the feeling of that affinity towards you exactly personally. exactly and yeah. also then there's like the whole linkedin algorithm you know company pages versus personal pages yeah but that's just one finite example and there's tons of them yeah and so it's like i think the shift is more happening kind of like that creator you know it's kind of like that mix of creator economy yeah. b2b marketing realizing like we're investing a ton of money, not getting much out of it. This is broken. How do we fix it? Yeah. Let's be different instead of boring. It's still emerging. Yeah. I think probably we could probably sit here and try to list 10 that are doing it really well. Yeah. And I think in the next 10 years, it'll take time for we're like, oh, yeah, there's like 20 companies doing that super well. So that makes me want to tap into something. Sure. I, I think you you know him, Mark from Dooley. Shout out to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he did the whole you know, hot ones with the sales. Yeah. Went crazy. Yeah. Went crazy with yeah. it. And I do not recommend going on that show. I was, oh, I was pressured so hard to go on the no. show. And I was like, never, never, never eating hot sauce on camera because I'm I, never doing it ever again. No, you, you went on it. I went on <laughs> it, but I trained. <laughs> I legit trained. I like every night uh, I would get like hot sauce, but I would literally get, I like bought wings for the week. I appreciate the and absolute I lo- dedication. And, and, oh, I wasn't going to lose. And so I was just like, okay, I put the hot sauce on and I would like eat it every night and I would like lose my mind. But I was like, I'm not going to be the one. Did it prepare struggling. you? Yeah. Did it, oh, work. Did no, you... I was like stone faced the entire time. Oh, good for you, man. And I was you... and I was solid. Larry was on it too. But I was like Respect. stone faced. And like everyone was like, Morgan's cheating. Morgan's. And I was like, yo, I literally prepped every night because like, yeah. I'm not going to get everyone's coming on there for you to get just destroyed. Right. I was like, I'm not getting wrecked. Videos on Y'all the internet live forever and you yeah. will not catch me slipping on this. Not going to catch me slipping <laughs> on this one. I'm winning. Yeah. So. It's funny because the gong team was on it and they kept asking me like leading up to it, leading yeah. up like, nah. I was like, maybe, maybe. And then I was like, yeah. nah, nah, I'm I was good. Like, and then like no. 20 minutes before they're like, hey, we could really use you. And I remember being like, nah, yeah, nah I'm, yeah. Good. Like, nope, I'm good because nope, nope. I've seen the show. If you've seen the real show, people yeah. are getting lit up, can't breathe. Just, Roy, like, just like, one guy, he was just like, just crying. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be seen like I that. And I, and I don't want to experience that for the rest of my day, just being like uncomfortable from yeah. heat. So, yeah. So I don't remember the main point, but shout out to Hot Wings. Oh, great content. Yeah. Great content. There yeah. is a point with it. Yeah. Just, I would recommend you can stay away from it. <laughs> sorry, 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 Mark, if you're still sorry, trying Mark, to recruit sorry, people. Mark, you know, but, but <laughs> I don't co sign going on that show, but I do co sign watching it. 
Yes, I know I'm interrupting the show here. However, we have to do a quick shout out to our sponsor, Proposify. And what Proposify does is it is a proposal software that allows you to edit your proposals in real time. And the reason why I love it is because the edits make it easier for the prospect to read the proposal, makes it more engaging, which leads to more closed deals. What do you think is the future of creators on LinkedIn? And is Mm. that going to be the enhancement of B2B marketing? I think so. And I think the way I view it is um, B2B marketing in the past was always very informative. Yeah. White. And static. White papers. Dude, that brought no one. Have you even read a white paper, by the way? I've seen them, but I've never read them. (laughs) It looks like what you would imagine, like if a lot of text was on like a black and white page that was faxed to you. Mm -hmm. You're like, none of this really looks intriguing or fun. It was just like this like dry, dense, like informative stuff. Right. And so when you think about why is the way people were differentiating was their product. Yeah. Our product is why we're going to win. Our product is the best and the product is this and the product. So they try to like jam product on people. Yeah. And I think, again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of speculating because I wasn't like around quite, but like, yeah, that's where people thought they were going to win and lose. And so they were really investing heavily in like product focused content. Yeah. And it was informative. Now people are tired of like, people don't really want to read it. There was also not that many options back then. So you're like, that is true. Well, I got to buy something. There's really only three white papers. How bad can it be? It's all, you know you're going to read it or skim it, right? Mm. Now, no one woke up today thinking, wow, there's really not enough content out there. Wish there was more. (laughs) Wish there was more products I could be, uh, you know, learning about and onboarding. Absolutely. This is coming from a content marketer in a technology (laughs) sector. So like I'm I'm calling myself out. And so it's like now where it's going is how can we be entertaining and Mm. informative? Yeah. And so the way I view it is like, you imagine like marketing funnel, right? Yep. I have higher in, uh, entertainment value at the top and it yeah. starts to go down in, in scale. Yeah. And infor- information is less and goes high, you know, higher, if that makes sense. So it's yep. like yep. more entertaining, less entertaining, bottom funnel, more informative, yep. uh, excuse me, less informative, more informative. Yep. Does that, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. And, but no, so the sliding I, scale, it's a sliding scale. It's a sliding scale. And I wanted, yeah. I wanted to find something. It makes sense yeah. to me, but I think a lot of people may want some more clarification sure, sure. on this. Can you be too entertaining that you lose people going down that's that a funnel? Fair, here's, that's a great, that's a great question. So here's the point: for awareness content, yeah, entertainment is going to take you further. Absolutely, right? Like I made a video about a fake headset for Gong. It was an <laughs> April Fool's Day prank, yeah, and it's a video of me like with this fake headset, yeah, and it like listens to objections and like translates them in your head and tells yeah. you how to respond. Yeah. <laughs> and it was ridiculous, but yeah. it was super funny. We did it like an infomercials, all cheesy and stuff. Yeah. And the awareness was like, oh, it was the entertainment value was very high. Yeah. I don't think I really taught anyone anything. It was probably very minimal information value. Yeah. But it spread a lot. Right. So people were like, oh, Gong exists. They're funny. I'm going to go to their LinkedIn page, their website. Right. That's a win for that specific campaign. Sure. So that's where you can go. Now, if I if you go too silly, one time you're gonna you might turn some people off, like ah, oh, it's kind of trying too hard, gimmicky. Yeah. But if you consistently do high entertainment value, people are going to view you as an entertainer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And they might go, oh, they put you in this box of like funny, mm-hmm. funny guy or company, silly, yeah. but not linking you to a business problem or business challenge that you can help them with. Yeah. So the key is mixing it up. And that's why I have that sliding scale Yep. is like, okay, you just learned Gong exists and Gong does something with sales and objections or whatever. whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. The next time you interact with us, I'm going to scale back the entertainment and give you more information. So here's five ways to do X, Y, Z, 10 yeah. ways you can do X, Y, Z. Then as you move, to, but still 
casual, approachable tone. And then as you get lower and you're in like the the like um, consideration phase, that's where it's like, yo, you want information. You want yeah. to know how does this product how help do me this? do this exactly? And right. then if you deliver on that, then you get into the action category. So that's the way I viewed it. And the great part about it is you will build brand and uh, pipeline if yeah. you have that approach versus just being super brand focused or yep. just trying to drive like paid advertisements. That's interesting on the two much entertainment side is that yeah. you, it's like almost you're saying like you just lose credibility yeah yeah exactly over time yeah and i want people i want people's attention but i don't want just their attention yeah. i want their i want them to trust me yeah yeah and so is there a breaking this out a little bit more is there a framework that you look at every single month like okay so from a content perspective yeah. we need two entertaining pieces and we need i don't know 10 pieces of informational content. Like, how do you just hide that? So there's like the big funnel and then you can look at like, like the, your overall marketing funnel. Yeah. And then there's like your ch by channel funnel. So, yeah. right, so kind of, and I don't want to get like too, too deep in that because right. it could be very complex. Yeah. But the way that I view it is um, I have like the lower amount of entertainment because I'd rather have like a couple big bursts, like a yeah. big pop, a big funny video or a fun series or something. Mm -hmm. And then I want to bring people, like I'm casting a wide net and then I yep. need to bring them into like information. People will stick with you longer for the information once they've already gotten like the awareness part. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, especially in, like on LinkedIn where a lot of the B2B people are and uh, B2B professionals are, where a lot of our content is distributed, mm. people are going to learn, but they like funny and they like, you know, they like humor right. and all that type of that uh, entertainment value. For sure. And so it's like, I try to think of it as kind of like probably a, a part, you know, one part entertainment, high level, funny stuff probably like three parts information. Yeah. And that's where you build a lot of credibility. That's where you become the thought leader. Yeah. I can trust Devin. I can trust Morgan to teach me this thing. If I go to their page, if I see them post, if I get an email from them. For sure. And then the next part is consideration, which is probably like back to like one, two parts consideration. Okay, cool. And that's going to kind of depend on how big your company is, where you're at. And where you're trying to go. And where you're trying to go. Because yeah. you do need people to go, okay, great. Devin, you know, Devin knows this stuff. But if I drop in a quote, you know, Morgan's like, I, I, you know, I love Devin's newsletter. It's one of the best things I read every week. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put that quote. Yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> now people Pads will see that quote. and go, oh, someone else, whether they know you or not. Social proofing. Social proofing. They're getting value from it. This is a real thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go subscribe. So, okay. So follow up question here to clarify. Yeah. Can you do too much social proofing to where people don't believe you? I think, uh, I, I think the answer is no. Okay. But I think the way that you do it is yes. So here's okay. what I mean. I call it marketing polish. Okay. When you're scrolling, I, I'm going to use LinkedIn because I know we both are big on, you know, not big on LinkedIn, but are in, in, you know, on it a lot. Yeah. Is when you're scrolling, you know what like a webinar banner looks like. You know what a marketing <laughs> image, you're already yep. laughing because you yeah, know. Yeah, you know, you know. Here it is. Bright. Super fired up. Bright, brightish. <laughs> no, I'm just talking about the image. Yeah. Just the image. Brightish colors. Yep. Big headline at the top. Three people's faces. Yep. A time and a date. Yep. So as you're scrolling your brain before you even read any of the words or look if it's Morgan mm -hmm. or someone I know or like. You're like, I'm being marketed to. Someone's trying to get me to do something. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we resist that. Same thing with other like, uh, you know, if it's like someone's face and a big quote. Yeah. It's been approved by marketing. Yeah. That, <laughs> yep. What happened It went was, through a process. It went through a process. It's, it yeah. is processed social proof. <laughs> mm, mm. That's a new thing. Just made that up I, right now. I feel like now. you just dropped that on this. You sparked it. That's the I first time. I feel like time. you dropped that. You might have to like, Trademark and you that go before publish that somewhere. Yeah. yeah, and so is that it's the new like, Gong Labs? It's not. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not authentic because yeah. it's not straight from their mouth. It's, yep. hey, you know, hey, you know, can I get a quote from you? I, I just from, from you in the newsletter. And then yep. I tweaked it like a little bit, but I didn't want to. I wanted just for like the phrasing to be a little more sure. smooth. But when it's in like B2B format, it has to go through legal approval and yep. the head of marketing has to look at it. And it's always like kind of perfect grammar. And it's kind of like, what you think a marketer would want you to say about their product, not yeah. how we would really say it. So my point is remove the marketing polish yep. and do social proof like a video of someone just holding their phone or it coming straight from their mouth or something that's just like very like it's more natural, more natural, more the way you normally speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like when you can get that type of social proof that you can't run out of because it's authentic and it feels yeah. real. Obviously, if your entire content strategy is just social proof, well, now your funnel is is out of balance. But yeah. in terms of using it in that consideration phase, you can use social proof over and over again if you do it the right way. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. And now you have a new term. Process social you proof. <laughs> Remove the marketing policy. Yeah, there you go. So other things in terms of future of sales and marketing. What are some yeah. trends? I know we don't have a crystal balls here, but what are some trends that you are seeing yeah. that could be potentials like, wow, like people need to really pay attention to this. We've obviously talked about the creator economy, but there's other things I know that are in your mind. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I would say is like, I think the first thing and most important thing is that, is, and I hate, I hate to use like a jargon on you, but like the alignment mm -hmm. of that, like, what, what are we both striving for? At least you just say synergy. Then I would have had to kick you off. I would have seen myself out. <laughs> I would have, I would have been like, oh, David, you gotta wrap this up. No synergy. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, and so it's like, how can we make sure that true, like, uh, here, here's the real trend. Go okay. to market, go to market teams are what's emerging right now, Okay, which is there's like your sales team, you have your marketing team and your product team. And a lot of times those are like your big silos. And obviously there's more if you're in yeah. engineering, I love you. But like, there's all these like big chunks of like uh, pillars of the company. Yep. What companies are starting to do now is realize like, oh, all of these actually should be one unit working together. Yeah. Now you're going to measure things differently. Product is not going to be based on revenue because it's too yep. distant. Uh -huh. But I think sales and marketing can. And so when you start to look at how can sales development, market uh, sales, marketing, product, how can that be one unit, customer success that goes yeah. to market together? That is a trend that's going to keep taking off because that's really bringing people together, understanding what's working, what's not, what products people want, yeah. market feedback. For sure. That's what's going on. And then I think the metrics is, is what should spill from that, which is yeah. what's our true North Star metric. Business doesn't run without revenue. Product, there's, other, there's a bunch of ways I'm not a product expert, but there's yeah. other ways I've heard from smarter people mm. of how you can incentivize products that sell or product feedback. Mm -hmm. So again, you're not just in a vacuum creating content coding for the sake of it and going home going, well, if it's sold, it's sold. If yeah. not, oh well, I well, did my job. It is what it is. Yeah. So it sounds like you talked about accountability. Big, I'm very, I'm very big on accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this a lot, right? And so yeah. one thing that I've heard other sales leaders talk about that have led massive teams, more massive teams than I've ever led. Yeah. I've talked about that a product team is one of the, like does has no accountability mm. at all right it's like hey our product updates coming in you know we're in Mar or in march as we're filming this yeah. hey into march we're gonna come with a product update but if it comes out in june product team doesn't get fired what are we gonna do right <laughs> you, can't, you can't forecast these things right and the sales leader's like but i gotta forecast a thousand reps and right millions of dollars on a 30-day period exactly yeah and if a sales rep misses four months in a row you out the door so yeah. is that also what you're talking about, like the go to market for marketing and product? Should, they, so. should those leaders lean on the sales leaders and be like, how do I 
do accountability because they haven't really yeah. had to do before. I think I think it's like like there's not like I'm not going to say one sentence that's going to solve that problem, but I think it is that that forecasting thing is the number one example that I hear too. Yeah, which is how come we have to stick to a 30 day sale or yeah. know, like the monthly or the quarterly quota or annual quota. Yeah, but a product can slip two to six months and it's which could change you your revenue hundred percent. Yeah, there's when people are doing financial planning, they're looking at. They're making revenue uh, forecasts and projections. Yeah. New products are usually a big part of that. Yeah. Because they're not launching new products just for retention and for different uh, differentiation. Yep. But it's like, no, we're gonna make ten more, you know, t- uh, ten million dollars of incremental ARR from yeah. this product if it goes well. Exactly. If that product does not launch, you're t- you're, there's ten million you have to go find. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that puts stress on who? The sales, the sales team, team to go again. figure it out. It may be marketing <laughs> and stuff. So that's why I think that accountability has to happen, but it has to be at like the CEO, chief product officer, CRO level. Yeah. And those are the people who have to like really be like, this cancel it. And if it yeah. does, in my opinion, then you have to give grace to the salespeople as well because you can't hold them to, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Commitments that they can't yeah. control. Yeah. No. And then also on top of that, and like the commitments and things that are out of their control, what are things that let's say right now from a sales and marketing perspective what can they be committed to to have a better future in their careers at the individual level yeah at the individual level Uh, consistency is is like one of the biggest things we can talk about that for a little while i think if you consistently put out work and try to get better you will be successful put out work as in like consistently put out content or consistently getting better at your like just internally good point i would say the latter so like putting out work like for for marketing is like have some sort of cadence that you keep to for yeah. campaigns. Like if it's monthly, weekly, like on we're projects. talking about certain type, certain types of things, like have a plan and be consistent in that. Yeah. You'll get you'll get consistent results and you'll get something uh you'll get uh predictable, right? Like revenue or like pipeline. Yeah. That's for the marketing side. For sales, I think it's the same thing where but for sales, it's like you have to consistently be disciplined. Don't be yeah. lazy on Different. discovery calls. And I'm saying lazy like I used to just like wing it sometimes. Like I'm kind of busy. I'm pretty good. I got it. I know the persona and the company yeah. well enough. Like I can kind of just like not prep. Yeah. And you're probably right. Sometimes you can get away with that. Mm. But if you make that a habit, then being unprepared becomes your game plan. And that's where people can start to slip, can start to make, now, now my proposals are getting a little weaker. My yeah. demos are getting a little softer. And before you know it, you're not being as thoughtful and intentional. Yeah. With the work you're putting in. It's kind of going back to like the Kobe thing. If you're intentional about the time, the energy, and the mindfulness. Yeah. You just do that over and over and over and over again. Yeah. You're going to get better. You're going to be successful. Right. And then you'll get all the great things like promotions, uh, interesting validation, yeah. money, if that's your thing. For sure. And so that's like one of the things like going back to consistency is like when I, I don't even remember wh- where I was. I was like, there's this person who is way more successful than me. I think I went to high school or college with. Yeah. I'm going to be a little egotistical. The guy's not smarter than me. Like yeah. kind of someone you'd meet and be like, there's you're a like, lot of people you're like, you smarter than that person, <laughs> than that person. But yep. he was very successful in this like business he had created. Yeah. And I like dug into like, cause he was one of those people like, you know who he was. You don't talk to him for like three years and you're like, holy shit, you did that. You're like, like, you're like you what happened? Things. Yeah. I like talked to, I ended up connecting with him, going through like some social media, which you had to be careful. Cause obviously I didn't tell the full story. The guy just put in the work. Yeah. He had a plan and he just, chipped away little by little by yeah. little by little now he's living a great life traveling making good money he's very happy and i just remember being like you know if he can do it yeah i know i can i can do it if i put a plan together yep. and i can and i'm consistent because successful people just can cons- just consistently make 
the right choice or good choices. Yeah. That's it. The majority of the time. No, of course, there's and, luck. No, I'm not going no, for luck. Well, but yeah. it was to clarify because I because what happens is in society, right? And this is all this is talking to like future sales reps. It yeah. can be for future marketers. Is that you go into a gear and you're you're like, I got to win every single week. Yeah. I have to win 52 weeks out of the year. Yeah. Which is absurd. It makes no sense because if we take a step back, this is what I want to do. I'm laughing because I'm guilty of that. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we, today. Yeah, we gotta, <laughs> you're going to win the week today? I got to win every week, man. I got to get better. I got to like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's despite what I just said, and I apologize for interrupting. No, no, you're good. You're good. It's like, it's a balance of being yeah. like, I, I'm going, here's the difference. I need to win. And if I don't win, I failed. Yeah. Versus I'm going to do everything I can to win. And I'm going to reflect and learn. Absolutely. Because there's going to be things that come up in your life personally and professionally that you can't control. And if yeah. you hold yourself like so, so accountable You're to the things to you it. can't control, that's where you can start getting into that spiral of like negative self-doubt, oh, I'm yeah. failing, March was a bad month, oh crap, Q2 sucked. Mm -hmm. And you're like, dude, you're, you're kind of judging and grading yourself off the wrong things yeah sorry go back to it no saying. and you're and the thing is like it's gonna lead to my point around i think sports analogies are used way too much in sales and they're used the worst way they're not but, used enough yeah <laughs> and i'm gonna give one that like it's it's probably different than how people talk about it so yeah. nba is going on right now and they play a lot of games 82 and you can't win all 82 no it's never been done it's never been done but the thing is these people get paid millions and millions of dollars yeah. at the highest level. And so if they can't go out and win 82 games, how do we expect to go win 52 weeks? That's a great point. The other it's, thing, not, it's just not possible. Well, the other thing I think of, too, to double down, is the, the dubs, my team, the Warriors, <laughs> we chased the record two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, you three, remember that? Three years they ago. Yeah, the, they wanted the best all-time winning record in the yeah. single season. It was like 72, 73 wins. Someone in the comments can correct me unless you know. I think it was 73 and nine yeah so I think the that's bulls what, yeah. had it the bulls were like the top two or three of like yeah. the top five or whatever and they put a lot of energy into winning every single game that they could yeah remember how that year ended they lost to the Cavs in the finals yeah and there's a lot of things you can go back which was like one their focus was was i mean i'm an outsider i'm a fan yeah but like they were <laughs> yeah. clearly not resting players at the end of the year which you could have gotten away with you yep. still would have had home court advantage you still could have been had completely it, fine been completely they could have probably rested a month and a half they weren't looking at winning the championship they were looking at winning the season mm. and you just need to get to the playoffs obviously there's like you know some nuance to that but so yeah. i think that's the point of not even just trying to win every single game but like look yeah. at the bigger picture like you don't even have to win every single game you need no. to win every quarter yes you don't need to win every month unless you're like on a very like transactional thing that could be different. For sure. but like for me, I was almost always on a quarterly yeah. uh, plan. And so I'm like, look, I've lost a lot of Januaries, a lot of Januaries, yeah. but I've <laughs> blown out a lot of Marches and then yeah. I look like a hero and I can keep that going in. At first it was really challenging because I wanted to win every single month. Yeah. It felt like a failure. I've had bad Januaries and Februaries. Yeah. Forgetting that I had bad months then because I blew out December. Yep. Closed all your pipeline. You got not much left. Yep. And then feeling like a failure, super stressed out in March, blew out March and be like, yep. dodged a bullet. Good yeah. thing I'm all good now. And then kind of started over and over. So like, that's like that mindset of like, don't win the season, win the year. Don't win every week, win the quarter, win the year. Exactly. Yeah. And this has been a great interview. Dropped a lot of nuggets. It's been good. So <laughs> last question we're going to ask you is sure. what is the best sales advice that you've received? Recently. recently 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 well i haven't been in sales for two and a half years in a quota carrying role but i sell for my own business but then i'm my own boss so i'm not giving myself that um man this is a good question you can cut you can cut some of the thinking time or add music um 
Add some TI in the background here. I want to give you a good answer, so I'm going to be very thoughtful. Okay. But now if the answer is not good, I've taken too long and I've built up too much anticipation. <laughs> be um, consistent. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, be consistent. Um, I, can, I, can it be a lesson that I actually learned from sure. a deal instead? Sure. Which was uh, win the deal, not the negotiation. Mm. Which is similar, which is well, the reason that came to mind is because we were just kind of talking about, yeah. which was like, there's, there's a deal where, it, you know, some, some negotiations get very heated yeah. and they can get very emotional and sometimes ego gets in the way of getting the deal done. Yeah. And there's the whole like, oh no, we have these rates and we're not allowed to go below this rate or you're asking for too much. And mm -hmm. you know, like you almost start seeing e blows of ego getting traded instead of like real negotiating and like yeah. objective business deals. Yep. And so my, I guess my advice or what I've learned from that is like the most, the, the best negotiators are objective. You know what I'm saying? Like they're mm -hmm. not letting their emotion get in the way. They're not taking things personally and they can remove it from kind of like butting heads. Cause I think a lot of people go to the negotiation table, like I'm across from you, you're across from me and one of us has to win. Yeah. And it's a battle. It's a terrible way to go about it. Yeah. It's a losing strategy. You'll win sometimes, but it's usually like kind of destructive. Yeah. And so like the best advice is early as possible in the negotiation, join their side of the table. How can we get this deal done? How yeah. can I essentially partner with you to make this a no-brainer? And once you start to remove the like I and you language, me and what I want in mind yeah. and you and yours, the we. starts being collaborative, starts being we. And mm -hmm. now the bad guy, the villain is almost like deal desk. Yeah. Or like, oh, the CEO. Sorry. Got it. Someone's got to be the bad guy and it can't yeah. be them. So right. it's like pick like kind of a, a common enemy. Like, all right, I'm going to, you know, let, let's go get this done together. I'm going to go talk internally. And that's where you can kind of reduce that confrontation. And I think that's where like guards go up, ego starts to flare, and then people just want to win. Yeah. The, again, win the negotiation despite the deal. Yeah. No, absolutely love that. Great story. And as always, y'all, hope you had a great time. Took a ton of notes. One up, and we'll see you all next time.